Welcome to season four of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Is your business ready to run without you? Today, we're going to talk about learning to let go as a business owner and giving more control over to your team members. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Jeff Finney, owner of Ultimate Cabinet Components and author of That's It, I'm Fired. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. Uh, Happy to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, Why don't we start by uh, you giving a little background on yourself and what you're currently doing? Yeah, so as you said, I I own a uh, cabinet shop, basically. Uh, we, We mill cabinet components for other cabinet shops that are not automated, you know, so CNC equipment. And uh, we also build, you know, residential style custom cabinets like you have in your kitchen at home. And uh, I've done that for about the last 17, 18 years. Um, You know, I graduated from college in 01, went to work for a large construction company here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, after that, I started uh, my own cabinet shop and just kind of been going, uh, going hard since then. And that's that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. Wonderful. Well, yeah. And in, in addition to that, you you recently wrote a book um, yep. called "That's It, I'm Fired." And you know, I'd love to talk through that and, and some ideas in it. So, why don't you first by uh, start out by you know just telling us what's the primary message in the book and and why did you choose to write it? Yeah. So <clears throat> basically. Leading up to the book, uh, you know, a few years ago, I started a, a blog that's that was centered kind of around the woodworking industry, um, but it was also, you know, it quickly evolved into more of like business principles, uh, not just for the woodworking industry, but just in general. And after, you know, accumulating enough articles and get a pretty good following on the blog, I uh, decided to kind of write a book and initially just started out as what was going to be an ebook that I sent to subscribers and it you know, pretty soon I realized, you know, I had enough content there to actually flush out a, a whole book. So, you know, that, that was about two years ago is when I started that. And it's been a very on and off process, more off than on, you know. And uh, here over the last few months, we finally got it tidied up and got with a publisher that helped me kind of get through that process that I had no idea how to do. Um, but basically, it's just, you know, it ends up being kind of a tactical guide of how to take your business to where you want it to be kind of what you had in your head or all along when you went into business for yourself. So, you know, most, or I would say a lot of small businesses are probably similar to me in that they're kind of a slave to their business. Um, it's not what they imagined and they're kind of stuck working, you know, working in the business rather than on it. And, um, kind of just laid out my, my guide on how I got my company to a point where it can operate, uh, for the, for the biggest part, you know, operate without me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I totally, um, I can relate to that. I mean, when I started my first company, the marketing agency, I classic, uh, like entrepreneur fallacy of, I, I started a company thinking that it would let me do what I love doing all day long. And instead I ended up having to learn, I was a designer, you know, interactive designer, stuff like that. And instead I had to learn about finance and HR and operations and, 
lots of stuff that came in very, very handy later on, but um, kind of, uh, you know, it wasn't exactly what I originally signed up for. So That's right. They, they yeah. usually morphs into something else. And, and what the funny part about that is for me anyway, I've been doing this for long enough that I've, I've been through a lot of those business cycles, those ups and downs uh, several times. And, and what I've found is uh, once I finally embraced it is what I found that I, I enjoyed that part of it, the business part of it as much or more, probably more than what I used to enjoy just working with my hands out on the shop floor, you know? So I, I, I found that growing into a, an actual business where I'm, you know, I'm working on the business. It's, it's, I, I get a very big reward out of that. Yeah. Agreed. I think it's, um, yeah, for me, it was, you know, I always thought of myself as a quote unquote creative, you know, there's designers and there's writers and there's artists that are considered creative, but I never really thought about how you can be creative and, and innovative on the business side of things. And so I think just kind of embracing that definitely opened up a lot of things that again, initially seemed like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to think about that stuff, but it really like, I wouldn't be where I am today and, and working with the kind of companies that I'm working with if I didn't really embrace and understand embrace the business that. side of things. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, so also your, your business or your book uh, poses the, the question, is your business ready to run without you? Um, along that theme, you know, what is it that holds many business owners back? Like we were just talking about, you know, back from being able to step away and um, from direct involvement in their business. Well, I, I think there's, there's a few things and that's, that's probably the biggest, the answer to that question is probably the biggest reason I actually wrote the book because I kind of figured out a process that worked for me uh, and our company and, and a couple of other companies that I've helped out along the way. And, and kind of just the, the brief summary of that process is, you know, it all starts out with a vision and, and as goofy as that sounds, you know, everybody talks about a, you know, a vision for your company and people kind of sideline the importance of it. And, and why a vision is so important is if you, if you do a vision correctly, it's, it's so far out in the distance. It's something that's really not attainable. Um, it's something you may never reach. So, you know, think of like Disney saying, you know, put a smile on every face or, you know, something like that. Ours is to become the most efficient cabinet component manufacturer in the world. Yeah. And the reason I kind of use the world is because I, I wanted it to be bigger than just the U S or the North America or something like that, because I, I wanted it to be unattainable. But the great thing about a vision that's unattainable is it becomes kind of that lighthouse out in the distance where, you know, you've got this guidepost to, to, make all your business decisions on. So if, if a, if a decision is going to drag you away from your vision and not bring you closer to it, then it's an automatic no. Uh, but if you were looking at a certain contract or a certain type of work, or maybe even acquiring another business and it takes you closer to your vision, then it's a very easy yes. And it makes it easier to grow your business. So it's a vision is, uh, like step one, you know, and, and once you figure that out and you've got that guidepost, then, as an owner, you can kind of step back and start delegating. Um, that become the second step, delegating some of those roles that you know as an owner you do not need to be doing. You know, it's it's holding you, holding you and your business back. So you owe it to your business to not be doing that role. And for me, it was the shop floor. I had to get the shop floor off of my plate. Um, you know, I just needed to not be doing that anymore. And for for delegation to be kind of sticky for it to for it to work you have to have good processes. And that's the third, the third uh, 
component of this, the third leg of it is you, know, you got to have SOPs, standard operating procedures. And, you know, we do them very simply. We do basically have a piece of notebook paper. We print pictures off on a little Bluetooth printer, little wallet size photos, and we stick them on there. And there's no more than eight pictures on a page. And we literally handwrite captions a lot of times underneath these uh, pictures that show what it explain, you know, explain what it shows yeah. and, you know, eight steps. And that's your, that's your process. And basically we let the employee kind of fill in the gaps. We just kind of give them the beginning, the end and the middle. So they kind of know where to go, but we kind of let them do it their own way. We don't tell them how to hold the drill. We just tell them where to put the screw type thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's some, some processes can get so detailed that employees just don't pay attention to them because they get kind of bogged down. Um, so we just kind of give them the highlights and let them figure out the details in the middle, but basically we show them what, what the finished product needs to look like. Um, yeah. so once you've kind of mastered those three, the fourth and kind of biggest step, and this is the part that I'm in right now is, is kind of assessing the value of your business and the value of your business. I'm not necessarily saying from a dollar perspective, but from a, is it valuable? Would it be valuable to somebody else? So the way I look at it is the way I look at and assess the value of my business is what does the business do or what is the business worth without me in it? So yeah. if I pull me out of it, what, what devalues the business? So for instance, right now, what I'm working on is getting the uh, accounting off of my plate and getting procedures for all of the accounting toward that can be done without me being involved in it. And that's the last major component that I've got to, tackle in my business to get it to where I can honestly say that this thing could run without me just as good as it can with me. So, um, that's, that's kind of the fourth step and it's a long ways down the road, but once you get to there, um, that's, that's really where all this, you know, that's really when you can truly say that you fired yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what would your advice be to, uh, let's, let's say a reluctant leader that, um, sure that's just uh you know they're they're learning to delegate or you know they're they're just they feel like the business can't shouldn't run without them let's say you know there's some safe things they can start doing yeah that's right so with me uh with me it was easy so i i you know the way that i figured some of this stuff out honestly was i um i realized that the business was getting to a point where I was wearing way too many hats and it was the reason we had stumped in our growth was because of me. I, I was just, I was doing too many functions. Yeah. So I didn't exactly know what to do about that. Um, at the time we had about seven employees, eight employees, somewhere around there. And I did not know exactly how to get over that hump. I didn't know at the time it was me that was causing these bottlenecks. So yeah. I actually went out and hired a executive business coach here in Oklahoma city and he, uh, he knew a little bit about manufacturing. He knew uh, about the construction industry. So we kind of talked the same lingo. And it was, it was him that kind of helped me kind of lay out this roadmap of like, okay, you know, we need to, we need to get a vision for the company so we know where we're going. And then we need to learn how to delegate responsibilities off of your plate. And so in, in figuring that out, I kind of figured out this process of how to delegate. You know, I was doing delegation all wrong. I was just kind of not wanting to do a task. So I'd tell somebody else to do it. And then it would always end up coming back onto my plate and that just doesn't work. So, you know, the biggest thing I would tell an owner that's just starting, you know, is once they've got their vision, they need to look at their kind of daily routine 
And what is the one thing that they're doing that is holding the company back the most? And just focus on delegating that properly, getting it to where it truly is off of their plate and they're kind of fired from that activity. So for me, it was really easy. Like I said earlier, it was, it's the shop floor. You know, I had to get that off of my plate to where I wasn't out there um, taking time on the shop floor um, when I should have been working on the business sales or marketing or whatever that was. You know, this this process, ta- it certainly takes a leader that's willing to to do that and, and explore a letting go. And, you know, some of that, sometimes that might even involve ego of, you know, cause it is, it is nice to, to feel uh, indispensable or whatever, but um, you know, it also takes the right employees and the right team. Right. So how do you, you know, how do you find the right team? That's not going to get anxious about this, this idea of the, the, you know, the leader of the organization kind of stepping away a little bit, even, you know, how, like, what do you look for in, in team members? Yeah. So for me, it, it really took me truly trusting people. And then if the people were not on board for that, you know, if they were not on board for that and they didn't accept the the responsibility or they didn't want it, but they may have said they did, uh, yeah. um, then, then obviously that's not the right person for your organization. So you need to, you know, move on and trust somebody else. And, that's just an unfortunate part about being a business owner that not everybody works out. But I can tell you that that process at the first was necessary, but now that I've got better at it, I'm, I'm better at picking the right people to begin with, if that makes sense. So we've got a really unique process in how we hire when we need a position filled. First of all, we always look within. And then if we can't fill it within, we go out and, and put, a job offering on, you know, all the various websites that we all use. Right. Um, and, and instead of just hiring somebody, we'll go through the interview process, the traditional interview process and ask all the questions, but then we always put them through a working interview. So um, we do up to a four day working interview. And at the end of the day, the team members around them that are working in their same team, they kind of evaluate them with just three simple questions. And the final question is basically, would you like to see this employee come this potential employee come back another day? And if the answer is yes, then we have them come back another day. And if the answer is no, then it ends there. And what we've found there is, is we get this instant compatibility with our culture. And if that compatibility is not there with that team member, then they're not a fit for our team. And it's just that simple. And what we've really found is that, um, you know, during an interview, some employees will kind of tell you what they want to hear or what you want to hear type thing, you know, and, but by actually getting into the trenches and working with the team members that they're going to be working with, well, some people are just not compatible with other people or some people are not compatible with the job uh, objectives that you're laying out that you need done. And that's just the fact of the matter. Not everybody's compatible with every job. So by giving them a few days in the job, you're going to start to find out the, what makes this person tick, what makes them good or what makes them not a fit for that job. And it's kind of like a no risk um, for either one of you, for the the person that's interviewing plus the company, it's kind of a no risk way of trying things out. And we've actually, honestly, we've lost a couple of employees that we were hoping that were going to work out, but they didn't end up finishing the interview process because it wasn't a fit for them. And that's a win-win right there because you don't find that out the hard way six months later when you've spent all this money training them. So it reduces your turnover dramatically. And, and for us, it has worked great. Yeah. That, uh, that's, that sounds like a great process. Um, and so you, 
touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, you know, I always think the the true test of of most things is when things are not going well, right? You know, when there's a crisis, when there's a disaster, you know, something like yep. that. You know, what what about when things go go wrong? You know, how do how do you set your business up to handle a crisis without you you know being directly involved in solutions? A lot of that falls back to to the processes that you have in place, you know, so the more processes and the, and the stronger processes that you have, you always fall back on that. So for, for us, you know, manufacturing is uh, it's it's very cyclical, you know, it kind of goes down easily and it, it's the last to come back, especially in the residential market. So it's, it's kind of tough. Uh, it can be tough sometimes when it gets slow. So we go through those cycles. But we have some controls in place and some numbers that work in our business that we can look at and we kind of know if things are slipping. We can see it usually a couple of months in advance. So we have some kind of um, dashboard numbers that we look at. And if we see these numbers kind of slipping into the the yellow zone for too long, then we kind of, um, you know, that's kind of our warning to start thinking about what we need to do, whether it's layoffs or hour reductions or whatever it is. But fortunately, we haven't had to lay off anybody uh, since, since 2009. And that's been, that's been really great, you know, so that's, that's a, that's a plus, but 2009 was obviously tough for everybody, you know, in the U S it was tough for everybody in the world. We had to lay off several. Um, but you know, now we've got the systems in place where we could see it a lot farther out in advance. So people can have warning and, and we could do different things like, you know, reducing hours rather than just letting go things like that. And, um, so, I mean, obviously it's just, that's part of being a business owner. It's just tough, tough choices have to be made sometimes. But, you know, if you've got the processes in place to continue with sales and continue with marketing, then you can still pick up market share in the downtimes. You just yeah. got to have those processes in place where you're still, you know, you're still gaining market share. Maybe there's not as many jobs that be had out there, but if you can gain market share, when those jobs come back, you're going to be, you're going to be one of those companies that just seems to like slide right through the bad times without anything happening. Yeah, no, it's completely agree. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, 2009, I, I still, still remember that, um, you know, oh, it was yeah. a rough start of the year, but, but, you know, to your <laughs> point, I, you know, my, my agency at the time, you know, I sold it four years ago, but, but ran it for a while. And, you know, it, 2009 was kind of in the middle of it. And, we had our biggest at by the end of the year we had our biggest year of growth because we saw our competitors we were just smart we kind of hunkered down we did have to lay people off at the beginning of the year which was terrible it was the sure. first time i yep. ever had to do that like just you know i was just heartbroken i mean obviously the employees were were worse off than i was out of that situation but you know it was a terrible thing to to do and and go through but we just then kind of hunkered down and waited out some of our competitors going out of business, took their clients and, you know, ended up the year stronger than ever and, and kind of set ourselves on a, on a good trajectory. So after that, we kind of built the the tools like you're talking about, like the early warning, you know, systems, but we were completely caught off guard at the beginning of the year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Learn yeah. that lesson the hard way. Exactly. Exactly. And hopefully you don't have to learn it. I mean, you know, you, I, I learned many things uh, by doing the wrong thing, but hopefully I don't have to learn the same thing twice. Right? That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So let's, uh, you know, one, one last thing before we wrap up here, you know, I, we always want to um, talk about the process of, of writing as a, as a fellow author. You know, I'd love to hear, you know, your 
in writing the book, was there anything that you learned from the process of writing? What might you do differently next time? Just, you know, oh, I, I think I could write another book in about a third of the time that I've wrote this one. Um, I learned so much, um, you know, maybe getting into the weeds a little bit. I know for me, a lot of the work, a lot of the work was done in the table of contents, really figuring out the proper content to put in the book. And, you know, having that table of contents really close at first, that way I kind of knew where I was going. But what what I really learned was I could apply a lot of the same techniques that we use in manufacturing, like lean manufacturing to writing a book. And what I found out real quickly is the first half of the book, I was just kind of, I would write part of a chapter and then I would get bored with it or whatever. And I'd move to the next chapter and then I kind of come back and forth and have to re-edit this and reopen that and re-add a paragraph and all this other stuff and moving around. And really, if I could, um, next time if I wrote a book, I would do one chapter complete. I would edit it. I would have it hundred percent ready, hundred percent done. And then I'd go to chapter two and I would do it again. And basically as I move through the book, you know, just completely have it done, which is exactly what we do on the manufacturing line. You know, we have small batches. We try to do batch size one of everything. <laughs> and I think it would be so much more efficient, so much cleaner and a better product at the end. Um, you know, just a better book to read if you wasn't having to try to finish this whole book before you really went through the editing process. I think I have too short an attention span to work on a whole chapter at a time, but I've, I've done a few books now and I, yeah, I, I'm a bit all over the place, I guess, when I, I, I do agree, like starting with a table of contents first makes a huge difference. And even yes. you know, it's, it's never, it's never stayed a hundred percent the same from the very beginning, right. but the more after doing the first one, you know, I had a lot better sense of, okay, there needs to be a process here. The first one was just kind of, I got it out the door and, and it was, it was a fun process, but I, I realized that I need to get my, my act together and, and stuff. So now I, you know, I have a fairly, fairly good process, but I still, I still jump around probably way too much. So I'm, I'm sure yeah. there's inefficiencies there. Well, and you know, <clears throat> that's right. And I think I'll, I, I, I plan on probably writing another one at some point and I'll probably be able to do it. Like I said, in about a third of the time, but one thing that, I mean, there's a lot of places out there that can help you publish, you know, publicate your book, you know, um, get it printed, get the Amazon part set up and all that stuff. And I would not have known how to do that myself. Yeah. So I did hire a service for that, but I was pretty much done with the book by the time I hired the service, but they kind of helped me with that final editing, the, the artwork, the, the cover and all that stuff and kind of helped me bring it all together. And, you know, I would just, I would say that you, you don't go into writing a book expecting to make money. Um, I think it's more of like you have something to offer and you want to put it out there in the form of a book. And that's really what I wanted to do. And I have no idea if we'll sell enough copies to make money. That was not the, that was not the goal behind it. And I knew that from day one and, and that made it, that took all the pressure off of the book is by not having to know that I had to make money on it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I think, yeah, if you have something valuable to share, it's, um, you know, it, it brings other opportunities as well. That's right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeff, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with you and what you're doing? You know, the easiest way you can find me on LinkedIn, obviously that's where I'm the most active at, <clears throat> but then as uh, far as all of our content, uh, podcast and the, the book and, and other things that we have going on is, uh, the, my website, thepushthrough.com. That's the push T H R U.com. 
Um, all of our information there, a link to the book on the Amazon is there. So it's everything that I've kind of got going on in that world is, is on the push through. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Jeff Finney, owner of Ultimate Cabinet Components and author of That's It, I'm Fired for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.